All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Staying busy. Dan. Out of trouble. Staying out of trouble. Had a relaxing weekend. Oh, good. Long yeah, it was weekend. great. Yeah. Long weekend, went to the cottage, had a couple drinks, didn't get too sloppy, was able to wake up the next day and play golf and oh, do good. that again the day after. I was just, just a good weekend. We helped my brother move. My brother, who's not a, su- a student, decided oh, okay. to move on Labor Day weekend. Oh, that's a rough call. So that was kind of a, a bummer. Does the he thing have we had to deal with. cable or anything set up or is that going to take three weeks? Power comes tomorrow. And I thought Nova Scotia Power was something they could do like remotely. They could just flick a switch. They can't do that? No, they do have to show up to the building and flick a switch. Oh, wow. So he doesn't have lights until tomorrow. So I they guess. can give you that charge, baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. What? what where is this now in Halifax or he's at uh, a, a building yeah in Fairview I was gonna say oh, exactly cool. the building and then I realized right. I'm putting this on the internet uh, a building in Fairview so he's moving and he had to break his lease or he didn't technically have to break his lease but he had to find a sublet but he was on Barrington Street and like South Barrington Whoa. so he had the easiest time ever finding a sublet because apparently there's a real housing problem for young students you don't say are you are you familiar with the concept of micro apartments Yes. I just learned about this yesterday, and it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of surprising more people don't do it. So it, it, I guess it's really taken off in Anaganish and Wolfville, like smaller university towns, although I guess there have been some legal logistics that they've had to... They have, to, have a few things to work out, basically. Sure. Um, but if they could if they could get their, their poop in a group, it could be really effective because it's essentially like really small apartments for mm-hmm. students. like Like a room this size with all of your appliances and a bed but certainly no smaller than the uh the the stone cubicle you get if you pay 10 grand to live on university campus for a year yeah and all you have is like a silver toilet and a bob marley poster made up of little bob marley pictures That's right. <laughs> crucial to know and that costs like five grand right there it costs so much so the idea <laughs> is like a, a 500 square foot apartment near university but not governed by the university sure and they rent by the semester rather than by the year that's the big thing oh okay so there's like a couple different tenants of the tenants is maybe not the the word (laughs) i should have used here yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah a couple different facets of the micro apartment isn't that a great idea though they rent every like five months or something yeah to not have to worry about like maintaining your place totally yeah i think that's kind of cool i you think about it we could live in this room we practically did in Kentville. Yeah. Good yeah, pretty Lord. well. That was a very, very tiny apartment and a two-bedroom apartment. But at any point did we think, oh, we need more space? No. In fact, I think about that a lot. Like, I've I've lived in like six or seven different places in my adult life. I've had a lot of different places. Yeah. Uh, and only one of them was not nice. Yeah. And it was that place. <laughs> but I didn't know it wasn't nice until the fleas. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it was my first apartment. And you and I didn't know each other very well, but we got along fine. Mm-hmm. And I bought this. Well, I, I signed a lease on this place because it was like $975 a month. Yeah, for a two bedroom. For a two bedroom. Yeah. So I was like, well, I mean, it's kind of in a weird area, but whatever. It's clean enough and it's got a kitchen and it's got a living room. And, and then I got a job in town a couple of months later mm-hmm. and we'd only done a couple of shifts together, but you were like, hey, come live with me. And that worked out great. Yeah. And so at the time, 
Yeah, like the neighbors were kind of slimy. I'll never forget, like one of the first things you said was, the rule in this building is don't call the cops on TJ. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, whenever I tell people that, because that's to me, that perfectly uh, signifies like exactly, that just completely epitomizes the experience of living yeah. at that building. And I forget where I say, learned that rule from. People I always say, who's TJ? And I'm like, does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> TJ was a guy you don't call the cops on. He was the drug dealer a few doors down. Yeah. He was relatively nice, I think. No, well, the, yeah, but he always had a crew over, and so yes. they were always sitting out on the porch smoking dope, and that didn't bother me. That was fine, but I used to go for, I did evenings. I worked in the evenings, and so yeah. I had my daytimes off, and downtown Kentville is a really nice place to go for a walk, and I went for a lot of walks, mm-hmm. and uh, I was coming back from a walk one day. I'll never forget this. I had my headphones in, but for whatever reason, nothing was playing in them. Yeah. Either the music was really soft or the podcast had ended or something, but I had my headphones in. It looked like I couldn't hear them. Yeah. And I hear one of TJ's crew like, like kind of mocking me. She says, I bet you educated, ain't you? And I oh, just, like, I remember and I just that. remember thinking yeah. if we're grading on a curve, it would appear that yes, <laughs> I am educated. <laughs> Don't call the cops on TJ. Wow. I forget where I learned that rule. I don't know if I learned it from someone in the building or... <laughs> I feel like like the property manager told you that, which <laughs> yeah. is really funny. Yeah, you're right. Don't call the cops on that guy. He probably did. Anyway, so that was that was a very tiny apartment, and then the fleas came, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a result of the disgusting people who lived downstairs. Yeah, it really, if we had... If, if it was soundproof from one place to the... From, like one apartment to the next, we would have right. been fine. We couldn't hear the uh, verbal abuse that was routinely happening That's downstairs. Right. Maybe beyond that, too. It was, it was basically like plywood boards with some cover-up. Oh, That's man, That was scummy. what the apartment was. And they just fled in the middle of the night, and they left a fridge full of food with the fridge open, and then we got fleas, and uh, it was never the same. Mm. We both got jobs in town, so we got to leave that apartment, and thank God, because even when I left... A few weeks after you, yeah. it wasn't better. No. It was still fleas, and we were driving back and forth between cities every day. What mm-hmm. a nightmare. Wow. But looking back, what a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What oh, an, to be young. What an enjoyable time in our lives. That's right. Um, yeah. What I mean, have you been watching anything else new lately? Well, I, I've been keeping up with Get Shorty. You've been keeping up I with love. Get Shorty. You like I, it. I will say, to be fair, it's getting a little... I, no, it's not getting formulaic. That's not right, because it's still like a lot happens in each episode, and it doesn't have a formula yet. But I'm starting to resent certain characters for getting in the way of the characters I'd rather watch. Okay. Like, I love Chris O'Dowd. I love the Miles character so much. And so by proxy, I like his family and his interactions with uh, Lewis, his buddy there. Yep. But Lewis has his own storylines now, uh, and I don't care. Yeah. And the mob boss lady, Amara... Yep. She ha- she's in it a lot. Right. And I don't care Probably about her too at all. much. Okay. I don't care about her at all. But Chris O'Dowd and Ray Romano, who are the heart and soul of the show, mm-hmm. are great. We're both um, watching uh, Ozark. Yes, season. But I'm only too deep on the too new deep. season. I think I watched just one last night. And it was good. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I think I like it. Although Jen said it's not really keeping her attention as, as she'd want it well, to. Well, I kind of forgot in the past year that it didn't really keep my attention last year. Like, I watched it, but I was kind of like, nah, hmm. I, don't, I think Jason Bateman's really good. Yeah. I think the acting in general is pretty good. Uh, although I, I don't find I don't find Laura Linney even 1% charismatic. No, we talked about that. She's not the most entertaining on the show. No, and I'm, they're using a lot more of her this year. My my dad was telling me this morning, and he's watched like eight of the new season. Oh, okay. And he says, judging by where they are now, 
this show can't last. Really? He says, this show can't. And, and I don't think necessarily because like they seem to be working themselves up to a big moment. Yeah. He just says that every episode gets crazier and crazier. Right. And I mean, that happened uh, at the end of last season when Mrs. Snell blew the guy's face off. Right. And by the way, I managed to avert my eyes at exactly the right moment when that happened last year. Yep. But in the recap on the first episode, uh, I totally back, missed it. I saw it, man. It was uh, gross. It was gross. That's too much. Yeah. Um, I will say the one character that I'm loving this season is Bud. Buddy. Buddy. Bud. Buddy. I think. Buddy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Tony Snakes or whatever his his mafia name Jimmy was. Jimmy Smalls. Jimmy or Smalls. Yeah. <laughs> I think was his name. Yeah. <laughs> this is the old hobo guy who they're contractually forced to live with in yeah. the Ozarks. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah, I like that guy too. He's got some charm. He started showing his charm at like the very end of last season. And Ruth. Uh, if she keeps it up, should be an Emmy contention. She's really great. Oh, she was amazing in, in Americans, too. Oh, she was in Americans. She, she was in Americans and played, like, a real, real strong role. Like, she was the daughter of uh, this government official that dude was spying on, and the the dude was, like, in his 30s, like Matthew Brees. Right. And she played, like, a 15-year-old character. Okay. And so he was kind of, like, a scuzzy, like kind of like transient weed dealer almost mm. with like aviators and a leather jacket that would hang out but also to like spy on Matthew her Reese had, was yeah oh also to spy on her had to do like scummy stuff and really wrestle because he had a daughter around like right you know not much younger than that yeah anyway so you're used to hearing her without her missouri accent yes. which is a put on for the show yeah but i heard her in some variety interview a few days ago and it really floored me. And I guess in hindsight, she wouldn't have that accent if she's a successful actor because there'd be so few roles for her. Right. But she really sells the accent for me. And she it's goes thick, for so it. that's, it's hard to do because you could really, especially if you're going to lay it on that thick, you could really easily drift into cartoon territory. Yeah. And it, people from the Ozark Mountains would be like, what the hell is this? Absolutely. This is offensive. I think she crushes it. I think so, too. She's great. So that's kind of the extent of what we've been watching. Yeah. We've been reading uh, Cherry, that book. Okay. We haven't we haven't talked about Cherry in a little while. No. You we, you proposed it on, on air. You said, if you're going to read a book, you should read Cherry, this book by Nico Walker, who is a uh, convict. I think I said at the time that it's a that he was in jail or he went to jail for 11 years it's important to distinguish he is still, still in, jail. in jail he is yeah. currently incarcerated which is why he's written the great american novel and isn't doing a book tour right right i uh i think it's really funny yeah i laugh every time they have some sort of accomplishment in the army and he says they play the toby keith song yeah the toby keith song <laughs> i love how often that comes what up. does the expression ate the fuck up mean I think it just means like they're not shit. Like, okay, they're ate the fuck up. I, I think used means, up like he's he's past his prime. Yeah, or just like useless. He uses it a lot. I think useless is like what it means. Okay, eat the fuck up. Where like, are you? Because I didn't read any all weekend, so I'm still only like halfway through the book. I'm probably exactly where you are because I got to the point that you were telling me about the huge. Oh, it was a really gruesome, stuff. brutal. Yeah. That's the thing is, it's like it's funny, but it's sad. Yes. And like he, he, it's kind of hard to tell, like it says at the beginning of the book, this is a work of fiction. None of these people are real. That might be like a fear and loathing thing. It might yeah. be, it might be like a legal thing. Cause you kind of get the impression that some of this is true. Cause mm-hmm. it's about a drug addicted bank robber who is an ex Iraqi vet. And that's what the book is about. Yeah. It almost seems like it's word for word true. And also <laughs> the book, it, the, the narrator doesn't have a name. No. 
Yeah, you're right. So like it could it could be Nico Walker, um, but the the question because he's a great writer, mm-hmm. but everything is very kind of like little spurty sentences. It's kind of stream of consciousness. Yep. Uh, it, it's not really clear how literate he is or how mm-hmm. bright he is because the the narrator, the teller of the story, is very emotional, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of. Uh, is it okay? Is it fair to say he's like a, a little bit? Uh, juvenile when it comes to his emotions like he kind of lets uh emily rule his life mm-hmm. and he kind of is just going along with it because he's like well i'm in love and but he's self-deprecating and like every time he says something like that almost acknowledges how much of an idiot he is yeah you know did you get to the thing with the the penguin documentary huh okay, no i don't think so yet. that's that's like a, a recent like uh, okay bullshit emily thing that makes you go what the fuck right what the fuck emily <laughs> Well, I got to the $100 orchid part, and I thought, oh, Mm. screw you, Emily. Yeah. Oh, I know. That was so sad. There's another one of those involving a penguin documentary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good book. Totally recommend, Cherry. It's an easy read, too. Oh, yeah. You can fly through it. It's heavy stuff, but like the... it's. It must have a hundred chapters in it because yeah. they're only two or three pages a piece. Yeah, I'm on like chapter thirty-seven right now or something. Yeah, it's it's very good. It's really something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't talk last week because we didn't get to it about. Uh, is it this is America? No, we are America. Who is America? Who is America? I always want to say this is America. Uh, Who is America? Ended. Oh, okay. Did it with a O.J. Simpson interview. <laughs> It's wild, man. I, I need to watch all of this because I, I only watched that first episode. So they've confirmed that they're not going to do any more. Really? Showtime says we would do more. Of course they would. But Sasha Baron Cohen says absolutely not happening, not right. doing it, especially now that people are going to be on the lookout. Totally. Uh, to be fair, like OJ kind of is OJ in it. Yeah. Like he kind of like keeps his cool and like when when the character brings up the murders... It's pretty. It's pretty brazen, man. It's wild. Really? It's crazy that he's like the freaking balls of steel on Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, I know. Fucking insane. I know. But uh, OJ kind of plays it cool, and he's just like, "Oh, come on, man." Really? And the other thing people are mad about is that they never aired the Sarah Palin interview. Ah. Oh. Teased all season. Sarah Palin never happened. Whoa. And so we don't really know if it just wasn't good enough because it's not like some people are like, "Well, maybe it was too good." And so they couldn't air it. And I don't think that the show would do that. I don't think so either. I just think maybe it wasn't worth airing. But it came out today. Roy Moore is suing Sasha Baron Cohen for $95 million. Did he have Roy Moore on? Yeah, he did Roy Moore. And he he, he did this crazy bit where he has a, uh, a wand that detects child predators. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, it's not working very well. And he like waves it around Roy Moore and it goes off. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Roy man. Moore bails, and now he's suing him for $95 million. But the the interesting like legal loophole, and Sasha's been sued, I don't know how many times, and he never pays. <laughs> right. Uh, he must have good lawyers. But the interesting legal loophole is that the character does clearly say the wand isn't working correctly. Right. So that kind of lets him off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. $95 million. Right. When everybody knows you're a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> what a piece of shit. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you know Quentin Tarantino is making this movie... Uh, about Hollywood in like the 60s or the 70s. Yeah, what's it called again? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I yes. think. Yes, yep. Looks really interesting. That's Brad it. Pitt, Leo DiCaprio. It's mm-hmm. going to be a heavy hitter for sure. Definitely. Uh, and so he's got this actor named Damon Harriman playing young Charles Manson. Wow. Who's okay. like in the culture at that time. Damon right. Harriman playing young Charles Manson. Interestingly, for the second season of Mindhunter, 
mm-hmm. David Fincher just cast Damon Harriman as, as old Charles Manson. Whoa. So the same guy contractually somehow is allowed and is in fact going to play the same guy in two different productions at two different stages in his life. Pre-murder, Yikes. post-murder, I think. See, I worry about an actor like that who's getting so enveloped in the world of Charlie Manson. Yeah. That it's... Chaz Manson. Chaz... Chucky Mance. <laughs> that it's probably going to get a little weird for him. And like in his personal life, for other people like seeing him, meeting him, and well, yeah. also him just being like enveloped. Well, and I don't think they've they've started work on the new season of Mindhunter yet, because this is just in... in pre-development but like we've seen pictures of brad pitt and leo dicaprio in their costumes for once upon a time in hollywood that movie is well on its way yeah which means this actor damon harriman is already in the head of charles manson probably best that he's playing young uh charles manson first yeah but he's already in there and it's not harrowing enough that he said no i'm gonna need a break after this i want (laughs) he wants to do it again i'm gonna double up well they're probably offering him so much money well, and he's not like a household name exactly. yet. Exactly. He's like, I got, I'm going to feed my future kids with this Charles Manson money. But it's so interesting that he like had the character figured out, auditioned for this other part. Yeah. And David Fincher was like, I don't care that you're playing him in another movie. You're our guy. You well, have it. Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino was like, I don't care that he's young Manson in this. He can be old Manson in another thing. It just kind of, honestly, it kind of validates both productions. It's yeah, just going to make that guy feel more right. like Charles Manson. One hand kind of washes the other. It's like, you'll get to see him as old Charles Manson in this. Yeah. If we see the Tarantino movie first and like we like it and mm-hmm. we might, yep. then we're going to watch the new season of Mindhunter and be like, oh, there's Charles Manson. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we'll be talking about this like 10 years from now? Could happen. Could happen for sure. I don't know. It's hard to know what people are going to be talking about. 10 years from now, but I think Quentin Tarantino movies tend to be the movies that people keep talking about. Yes. Although Hateful Eight kind of fell by the wayside. It really did. I was thinking about that the other day and how Channing Tatum was in it and no one's really talking about like how Channing Tatum is, you know, deserved it. A yeah, massive I, role. In I think Quentin Jennifer Jason Lee got nominated for it. Yeah, she did. Jackie Brown's another one that people don't really talk about, which is weird because that right. was his first film. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No. <laughs> oh. But uh, well, it was. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Movie, yeah. So when Reservoir Dogs... It was way Dogs, back then, though. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. No, okay. Yeah. All right, I stand corrected. Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs, Dogs definitely his first one, yeah. Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. Um, What was after Jackie Brown? Probably Kill Bill. It might have went Kill Bill. Yeah. Kill Bill Volume 2. Inglorious Bastards. Django. Django. Thank you. And then into Hateful Eight, which was his eighth movie. Yes, so that makes sense. And he always said he was only going to make nine movies, but he's actually kind of said now, well, I'd do more if it was Star Trek. Direct Star Trek. I don't know if he's still doing Star Trek. Neither do I. I haven't heard about that in a while. And like in his his possible queue on IMDb, he might do a Kill Bill 3. Interesting. Well, he's talked about doing a prequel to Kill Bill before, which is one prequel that would actually be... Actually, no, it wasn't a prequel. It was... He kills um, Vivica A. Fox's Vivica. He kills Vil, Vivica A. Fox in front of her daughter in Kill Bill Volume One. Okay, and it's like in the beginning of the movie. It's not really a spoiler. And he's always talked about doing a movie where she comes back to look for the bride, Beatrix, yeah, Uma Thurman, and kill her. There's clearly so much story in Quentin's head in those characters. Like, and I saw yeah. the first Kill Bill movie. Uh, and there's clearly so much that already happened that you don't get to see. Yeah. 
I know. David Carradine is dead, though. He's he's dead. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Died in a weird way. Autoerotic asphyxiation (laughs) accident. Yeah. I saw people on Reddit talk about how he was a a total dick. And it was like... Was he? Yeah. Oh. And people are saying like, yeah, he died the way he lived. A total jerk off. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate jerk off. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, Reddit was singing the praises of Jonah Hill today. I think Jonah Hill is about to have a really special moment. I think it's going to go crazy after like, so maniac into mid nineties. He's going to be the Greta Gerwig of this year. I think. Yeah. I'm going to call that Greta Gerwig or like, do we want to use a different actor? Because Greta Gerwig was kind of a a breakout. She wasn't an A-list movie star before being a director. He's had a bit of a, like, I don't want to say slow burn, but like definitely an ascent. Well, interestingly, Bradley Cooper's in the same position where he's this highly respected actor. Right. Uh, everybody loves him. And he's got a star is born on the way. Which, did you hear that Bill Simmons piece, by the way, where he talked to Amanda Dobbins about it for like an hour? Both of yeah. them talk about this movie that they haven't seen for like an hour. I know. I know. Cause they're, but they both think that it could go 100% either way. Both actors are totally going for it. Like, I think this movie's going to have a similar... Uh, rise and fall as la la land which is like really high anticipation Mm -hmm. people are really looking forward to it grandmas will go to see it right but then it'll burn really really bright and people will be kind of tired of hearing about it by the time the oscars run around and they were talking about how uh bradley cooper was saying you know clint directed his first film when he was 40 (laughs) (laughs) first name basis with clint just hilarious i know i'm i'm uniquely fascinated by the career though of Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Like, and very likable. Yeah. And like, a good artist. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Great but like, that, but he's like Jonah Hill in that they're both going to have uh, their directorial debuts in the in Oscar discussion this mm-hmm. season. The difference is that Jonah's movie is like an A24 indie movie. Yeah akin to like kids or something. Right. And Bradley Cooper's is a big studio movie with Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I don't really know exactly how we could compare Jonah Hill. But it, on Reddit today, people were talking about how, like, he had this reputation for being kind of uh, an asshole. And we've talked a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. He probably has been an asshole uh, two or three times in his life. But, like, I think that really famous gif of Leonardo DiCaprio seeing him across the street and then trying to scare him. Did you ever see oh, that? Oh, yeah. It's a great thing where, like... He just looks like a paparazzi. Paparazzi like... are watching Leo watch Jonah on yeah. the streets of New York. And... Leo, in this like rare moment of silliness, yeah. like like lunges out at Jonah sometime after having done Wolf of Wall Street with him, and like pretends to be a super fan, yeah. accosting him. And Jonah, for the quick moment he doesn't realize it's Leo, is truly terrified. He's like, "What the fuck?" He has yeah. like a really uncomfortable moment, and I think that kind of speaks to who Jonah is. Yeah. And so some other people shared stories on Reddit of like people who like live in California, and the occasion they've crossed paths with Jonah. Uh, knowing this about him, they'll try and be cool to him, and he actually can be very cool as long as you don't act too fanish, right? Because a guy like that probably gets the super bad quotes and oh like the like there must be some really yeah, it would be brutal, yeah, it would be brutal. I think so. Um, what I was gonna say though, did you see that Jonah Hill had an interview with? Martin Scorsese for like four hours. Four hours with Scorsese, and he talked to the Cohen brothers. And he talked to Ethan Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just about like what it's like to be a director. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's gonna he's gonna go places. I think I I think he's gonna be fine. Yeah. I like New Jonah Hill. I'm here totally. for Jonah Hill. Sure. The other movie that might be 
talked about a little bit, although I think it's probably going to be akin a little bit to like American Snipers, this like rah-rah movie, uh, is First Man, the Damien Chazelle movie. Oh, yeah. So this is his Neil Armstrong biopic, which I find to be a weird move for Damien Chazelle, who's mm-hmm. been super personal in his first two movies and kind of different, kind of outside the box. He's just going to do like a, a biopic. You think that... La La Land and what was his other movie? Whiplash. Whiplash. Okay, Whiplash I could see is super personal. You think La La Land was super personal? Yeah, he wrote it before he ever wrote Whiplash. Like I mean it's right. it might not be specifically his story, but like right. it was a it was a bold thing to like bring back this old Americana cinema vibe. Yeah. Uh and with like original music and everything. And not that it's like a big risk cuz there's always an audience out there for an original musical, but like uh it's much easier to make a movie that just celebrates this uh, iconic American person. And it's a story that already exists and get a guy like Ryan Gosling, who's going to sell tickets. Yeah. It just kind of feels like another, like maybe I'm thinking hidden figures because it's about astronauts, but like it just feels like, Oh great. Another based on a true story. I think it'll show a little bit more like torment. Like it will show a dark side to, Neil Armstrong, cool. it will be like him being obsessed about something and like getting angry at his wife. Corey Stoll plays Buzz Aldrin. He's very good. Who's that? You'd recognize him. He was in. He was the the senator in House of Cards who Frank killed in the first oh, season. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And so uh, the real Buzz Aldrin is part of a very large mob of people who are angry to discover that in First Man they exclude the planting of the American flag in the moon. Ah, because everything has to be. Uh, politicized yeah like it wasn't left out necessarily to be controversial right it just didn't go in there it so was now like, there's like there's like a movement of people boycotting they're like is Chazelle Kaepernick yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> which is the other thing I love that I think Nike did a uh, an awesome thing it was amazing it like, was hilarious they yeah we, we wouldn't be talking about it otherwise if it wasn't so controversial but I also think kind of good idea by Nike for doing the most like yep piling divisiveness on top of divisiveness there's no way it didn't occur to them that choosing colin kaepernick as their new spokesperson or whatever the face of their new ad campaign for their 30th anniversary they of course knew that was going to be controversial but it's just so funny people destroying their their nike their nike uh swag yeah cutting the swooshes out of their socks and like the, the the smugness about it too like get ready nike get ready for millions more of this yeah. but people cutting up the stuff that's already paid for totally and and my friend made a point that i i kind of thought was good like they're not doing this advertising campaign for people who buy their nikes at marshall's they're doing it for the the like collectors who are looking to buy the colin kaepernick super bowl bingo sneakers for five hundred dollars yeah. and like they're they're standing to make a profit here. I know they're and looking. Suddenly, these people are of a high moral ground, even though Nike has like all uh, like a really bad history with child labor. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, the same thing happened with with uh, J.K. Rowling when she made her politics known. People are burning their Harry Potter books. She right. has the money. Yeah. It's not you're not like sticking it to J.K. Rowling. Right. That's so silly. Yeah. That's so very very silly. So uh, people are kind of mad about about First Man. I, I have very little anticipation about that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh no, I'm I I think he might go three for three on it. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm yeah. really excited. Mentioned uh, House of Cards a moment ago. New trailer came out today. Teaser trailer. Claire is standing over the grave of Frank Underwood. Okay. Frank Underground. 
right? Yeah, Do you think right. she'll make that joke? Do you think that's what she says, like in the teaser trailer? When she turns to look at us, more like Frank Underground, <laughs> and then she winks. Yeah, I hope so. And does a little like. Also, like, do presidents just get buried anywhere? Because it didn't look like it was any kind of particular. It wasn't like a significant gravestone. It was definitely like next to his father. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. Yeah. Ah, we hated. Yeah. Who he yeah. hated and okay. Yeah. So what? How did you know? Like it showed that in yeah, the trailer. Yeah. Ah, cool. So it's in like Arkansas or wherever he's from. On the one hand, it was it was right to fire Kevin Spacey, uh, and it would be a shame to fire a bunch of people who didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I don't know if this show is going to be good. He was the lifeblood of that show. Yeah. So and like I mean, she was getting really good. And there was always kind of a discussion of like, is she going to kill him in the end? I kind of thought maybe she would kill him right. in like the end of the series. Um, maybe she did kill him. Maybe that's what we'll discover. Yeah. I don't know. Kevin Spacey actually had a good day. He is not going to be charged uh, in LA court or whatever over sexual, uh, uh, whatever abuse. Right. Hmm. I, I actually, that's the first I'm finding out about that. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, though, did you see the article I sent you about Aziz Ansari? Yeah, I read the whole thing. I did not read it all. Interesting. I sent it just before leaving work. It's kind of piggybacking on the outrage of the Louis C.K. and his quote-unquote comeback last week. Right. Louis C.K. is trying to make a comeback. No, he was trying out material in a comedy club. Sure. I can appreciate people being angry if they felt that it was uh, sneaky of him to do that, to surprise people and they're trapped in the club. That is wrong. Aziz's is different. He sold tickets to an Aziz show in a theater. Yep. Uh, And this is also not the first time he's been on stage since his accusation. Oh, it's not. Okay. No, he's been, he's been working. It's just the first time that he's kind of addressed it on stage. He doesn't address it on stage. Oh, he doesn't. No. Oh, I didn't read the article again, so you can kind of school. <laughs> he me distinctly on. doesn't doesn't address it. Oh, and you have to remember it was only one instance, and I'm not invalidating that one instance. But, but he, it was he addre- different. He addresses it in the article, though. It's not an article from Aziz's point of view. In but fact, does, it, doesn't it just he say quotes like, a bunch of people in the audience? Doesn't he say something like her words really spoke to me? He said that last year when oh, he, he first responded uh, to it. He hasn't said anything about it since. Gotcha. It's it's easy to forget that Aziz Ansari revelation was kind of a turning point in the evolution of me too right in that like suddenly people were like whoa i don't know and i'm not saying that was right no but it, it did feel different to a lot of that people. was the snl skit that kind of yeah paraphrased the whole yeah and so me too movement. when anderson cooper or whatever makes a graphic that's basically a collage of all of the me too'd uh, public figures, yeah, and it puts like Harvey Weinstein and Aziz Ansari in the same collage, right? It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. That's what's threatening to people, right? Did uh, he make a collage? We're just speaking hypothetically. Okay. Like if, if Seth Meyers might do the same sure. thing. It's like right. a graphic above his shoulder when he's talking about sure. fallen uh, Me Too uh, figures. I so, thought you were saying that. Anderson Cooper was just like way more into arts and crafts than I thought. Yeah, he got like a, he got like one of those poster of... boards and then cut up a bunch of J14 <laughs> magazines. Diorama. Yeah, yeah. He got his uh, his Matt Lauer pictures out. And... J14. <laughs> I don't know why. I like Tiger J14. Beat. <laughs> they still make Tiger Beat. I don't know. Do you know about the Jeffrey Owens thing? Nope. This is the other like big entertainment story that kind of makes you roll your eyes. Uh, Jeffrey Owens, who played Elvin on the Cosby Show. Okay. He Elvin. 
Yeah, he was like the son. I think he married Sandra, the oldest daughter. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was photographed by Fox News working the cash register at Trader Joe's last week. Okay. He's kind of got like a gut. Sure. And the, the premise of them reporting that, and I use that word very loosely, is look how the mighty have fallen. Isn't this funny? Once TV star now works at Trader Joe's, lowly Trader Joe's. Aren't poor people sad, even though all of you watching Fox News are that Right. That's the premise of that photo, oh. right? And this very interesting thing happened where like every artist on Twitter kind of supported Jeffrey Owens. Sure. And they were like, you're going to criticize somebody for working? Because yeah. he was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia last year. Right. He's done other stuff too. He has a like a thorough resume. Yeah. But between gigs, he's got this job to pay for some bills because he sure. hasn't been a regular on a TV show in 35 yeah. years. He's supporting his family. He's not too proud to work at a place where he can just get flexible hours and leave if he gets a new gig. Right. Everybody's like really respectably supportive. It's something that I feel like even TMZ is kind of above. Well, it's just, it's just really like, it's, it's just really misguided to think that you're above any job. And clearly he doesn't think that. Yeah. And so he was on Good Morning America the other day and he's like, I, I've had a good time working at Trader Joe's. Like they're a good place to work. Oh, nice. And, and they, they asked him, uh, are you going to get offers now? Because like, you're kind of like having a, a famous moment. He's like, I would be hesitant to take an offer because because of this yeah he says but i would love to get offers to audition for stuff right because i want to earn something on my merit as an actor and by the way i'm still an actor and i'm still a working one and then today tyler perry offered him a part in something and i don't know if he's accepted it yet Hmm. interesting yeah but it was kind of this cool thing where everybody was like a lot of people took the high road and fox who thought they had this like funny scoop well who's gonna take the low road on that it's not like he's done bad stuff before he's not a bad guy that's the like if you saw Harvey Weinstein right working at no that's cool though that's a good story yeah that is how the mighty have fallen right exactly that's what you want to see but you don't want to see like a guy who seemed like an otherwise good guy and kind of a hardworking actor well and this is the other unfortunate thing about Jeffrey Owens is that every time they qualify who he is they say Cosby actor Jeffrey Owens and that is I I know a lot of like lumping him in with yeah a lot of people who worked on that show have been kind of flippant about their feelings on on Bill Cosby Um, I don't know what his position on it is Mm -hmm. but it does kind of suck to have that association every single time especially where he's like a martyr and kind of being uh, uh, put on a pedestal in this situation most Mm -hmm. people are actually really cheering him on yeah Uh, but every time you qualify who he is you have to say the name of this the most uh, evil rapist of all time. <laughs> it's unfortunate timing. Emmy Rossum is leaving Shameless. You still watching Shameless? No, I haven't watched for the last like three seasons. Like it's it's in it's like tenth season. Is well, it? yeah, she's leaving, but they don't show any signs of slowing down. No, I why can't would believe they? I can't believe William H Macy's serious actor hasn't left the show. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse about Showtime, but. I'm gonna. No, that's a position you have. And we're gonna talk about kidding in a second. Yeah. And I'm gonna like my hot take is they should not do one more one more season of kidding. It should be done in one season and it should be something that lives. Jim Carrey has way too much ADD to do nine seasons. I, I kinda think so too. Yeah. But they would do it. I probably, yeah. And what was the show we were talking about earlier? Oh, 
who is America? And Showtime's like, oh, we would love to do another season. Yeah. Stop loving to do another season. Yeah, we just, just like take it easy. Make new content and don't necessarily develop it for 13 seasons. So Amy Rossum got her paycheck and she's going to back away. And she was really cool about it. Yeah. But like, of course, why of wouldn't course. you be? Of course. And I almost wonder if like she should have taken off like three or four years ago and tried sure. to get into movies. Yeah. Like she's a good actor. She's super pretty. Mm-hmm. Like she probably should have done it already. And I'm pretty sure they still try to make her take her shirt off like every other episode. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's probably like, I don't need to do this yeah. anymore. I'm like a, a legit actor. Yeah. I'm the star of this show, basically. She really is. She's the this, this central character of the entire thing. Yeah. It's I, not William H. Macy. And it's just kind of like, it, it must be repetitive at this point. It must be like, oh my God, this is sad. Probably. After seven seasons or six seasons, I think I got out of it. So so uh, one of the most famous movie props in the history of cinema was stolen 13 years ago. Ooh, can I guess? Yes. Was it uh, the Ark from Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, good, good guess. Um, was, was it the Ark actually in Raiders of the Lost Ark? I guess it was. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Um, just like a tablet. You can't look at it, right? I don't remember. Because that's what makes your face melt and explode. Well, no, the thing that it melts his face is he drinks from the wrong chalice. Oh, right. Wait, does that happen in Raiders of the Lost Ark and not? I think so. Not uh, the third one. Temple of Doom. No, Temple of Doom is the second one third one is last crusade last crusade which it's not at all the last crusade no <laughs> there are many more <laughs> crusades um okay keep guessing that um i was trying to think about this too because this is how it was presented to me is it a spielberg movie uh no is it pre-1970 yes oh okay so then you might start to think like was it like like a Brando kind of? Yeah. Was thing? it like the umbrella from Singing in the Rain? Sure. Yeah. Was it? Was it something from Wizard of Oz? Sure was. Oh, it was. Yeah. What's the most iconic piece of of the red shoes? It was the red shoes. Woo! One one of four identical pairs of ruby slippers worn by Judy Garland in the Wizard of Oz, stolen from a museum Whoa. thirteen years ago and relocated this week in perfect condition. Where? Except the Nike swooshes had been cut out. Of the sure. <laughs> uh, was that a break you did today? Yeah. Oh, no. Right. Okay. Yeah. Use it twice. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. But Get your mileage it, it out of it. It was perfect. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, any details. I'm not sure anybody knows any details. I think like the FBI has been on it. Wow. Because they're worth like a million bucks or something. We got to get Jack Ryan on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's season two. <laughs> <laughs> the case of the missing red slippers. Never mind this Can we call about... it the Red Shoe Diaries? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, a great that's idea. Never mind this business about the next 911. Yeah. <laughs> the next Ruby Slippers. The, the other, villain. one of the other four pairs of Ruby Slippers. The real villain robbed Judy Garland. <laughs> of her youth. Of her youth. Uh, Die Hard 6. Did you know Die Hard 6 was happening? I did hear it was happening and it's called McLean. It's called McLean, which sucks. Eh, well, why? Yeah. Because everyone knows it should have been called Old Habits Die Hard. Right. That was it's that's it's dying to be called Old Habits Die Hard or just Old Habits. Maybe that's for Die Hard Seven. Die Hard Seven. Good God. Yeah. Holy shit. Die Harder. I think has happened, hasn't it? I think so. Which sucks. That yeah. sucks so much. Good day. Good day to Die Hard, which is a good title. Surprisingly, I think the best Die Hard was Die Hard. Well, Die Hard One, obviously, and then yep. Die Hard Three. 
I the think one with Sam that. Jackson. I think people say that. Oh, God, it's so good. What about Die Hard 4? Is that the one with Justin Long? Yeah, that one sucks. Does it? Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I did not care about seeing it again. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. Did you watch the Bruce Willis roast? No. So it just watch made it. me think, like, Bruce Willis is the most irrelevant person ever. Yeah. Like, definitely the last Bruce Willis movie I saw was Looper. Yeah. I and, saw Looper on the plane, by the way. Oh, really? Did I tell you that I watched that? Did you did you find it really trippy? I think I kind of like I was freaked a, out. I it. was a big fan. Like yeah. I I really loved that. I I loved the whole time travel. Like, do I kill myself? I like when they like show up and they blast them with a shotgun. Love that. I like that system. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was that was very cool. Yeah, loved the whole idea. Wasn't crazy that they had to introduce the whole like TK part of it. You know, like people were telekinetic and like yeah, demon could, baby thing. That's you, where I got I got you upset. Didn't, you didn't need to to no. do that. Yeah. That it could have just been a whole time travel trippy thing and yeah, I think that is kind yeah, of the main part of the story. Yeah, that's an interesting enough premise. Yeah. You're right. The demon baby thing is where I kind of got upset. Yeah. That was Ryan Johnson, I think, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, Star Wars. And so that's yep, yeah, Star Wars and uh what was his other thing? I don't know. Ryan Johnson. Didn't he also do like Black Panther or something? No. <laughs> Who did Black Panther? Ryan uh, Coogler. I don't know. Okay. In any case, good movie. Liked it. Big fan. Black Panther? Yeah. I'm going to go out <laughs> on a limb Black here Panther. and say Black Panther was fun. <laughs> also, Hooper. <laughs> yeah, Looper less was, of a Less Looper of a okay. hot take. Yeah, but I think that was his last like movie that actually kind of uh, drummed up some action. Mm-hmm. Everything else, if anything at all, mm-hmm. has been such a flash in the pan, waste of my time. Well, yeah, I think he wrote and directed it. Oh, I don't think. Ryan Johnson? Oh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I'm talking about Bill, <laughs> Bruce Willis. <laughs> Can you imagine Bruce Willis wrote and directed Looper? I was like, are you serious? I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> That's going to be my thing. It's just saying I think main actors and everything wrote and directed it. Regardless, I, whatever we talk about at some point in time, I'm going to say okay. yeah, it's going to be a callback at some point today. Just he waited until he was 60 to get really creative. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wrote and directed that as a 70-year-old man. And then insist Joseph Gordon-Levitt get a nose job for a movie. Yeah. Did well, he insist that? That happened? No. Oh, okay. I think uh, JGL insisted that it happened. So and he, it wasn't. It wasn't a nose job either. It was just like a prosthetic. Nose. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he talked like he tried to talk like Bruce Willis. It was kind of weird. Again, like I don't think you need to look exactly like the person you're playing and stuff. No. I think it's dumb. You think Neil Armstrong? I think if Neil Armstrong looked like young Ryan Gosling, he would have made it to the moon. Could he you never imagine? would have made it to the moon. He'd be he'd be knee deep in in sex. Ryan Gosling, Tropic Thunder style, gets completely remade, like, but like completely ruins his Hollywood face to like, look exactly like Neil Armstrong. He has surgery to make himself like six inches shorter. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, it shows Neil Armstrong current day, and he gets that plastic surgery to look like an 80-year-old man. Neil Armstrong died. Okay. You know how I remember? Neil Armstrong died the same week it was like proven Lance Armstrong was a bad guy. And I remember uh, saying on the radio, bad week for Armstrongs. Sure. Mm, that was burned in my brain forever. A bad week for Armstrongs. <laughs> Call me with your requests. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's your Saturday night house party. Yeah. <laughs> New season of Law and Order. It's called Law and Order Hate Crimes. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's the best I could do. It's like... The Foley artist included like a gavel pounding and a jail cell sliding <laughs> shut. Can I say something really funny? Yes. I, I woke up in Jen's, uh, so Jen's neighbor across from her cottage lets us sleep there when 
the cottage is overflowing with people. They're okay. close family friends. It's fine. We can sleep up in the upstairs. Okay. Um, but I woke up at about eight thirty, and uh, it was just kind of like on my phone. And then downstairs, I just heard. Dun, dun. <laughs> I was like. Law and order at 8.30 in the morning? This is your breakfast watch? When it's on. Yeah. Was it Jen? Or was no. it the people who owned no, the house? No, no, it was the people who owned the house. It's their own damn house. They can watch what they want with Absolutely. breakfast. Absolutely. And who am I to judge? I just thought it was funny. Designated Survivor, also kind of a shitty network cop show. Yeah. Uh, just got saved by Netflix. This just happened like hours ago. Clink, clink. Can you imagine Designated Survivor has a thing? It's the same thing. A it's sound cue. Slightly higher. A gong for some reason. Yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> Designated Survivor. Designated Survivor. Keeper Sutherland. Big Brother. We talked at a while ago about how there was apparently some speculation Netflix might save this show, which had gotten canceled. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure why people knew that. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe took the position of, is this uh, high caliber enough for Netflix? Is this kind of cheap for Netflix? Mm. And then I think Netflix got really cheap with a lot of things and they make sure. a lot of like subpar quality stuff. Yep. Not that that shows necessarily subpar quality. It just doesn't, it seems so networky yep. for it to be on Netflix kind of feels ill fit. Yeah. They're making a, like they're really finding a niche with their teenage girl movies we were talking totally. about this like to all the boys i've ever loved that yeah. that had a big moment and then since then uh jen has been obsessed with multiple netflix movies has she watched set it up of course she's watched set, set it up is dope set, set, it, like, set it up is the one good one that is the one that i will say is a is a fine movie genuinely a lovable movie that one's good it's a solid rom-com yeah it is like and not the most predictable parts of it are super predictable no but, but it takes turns that you don't expect i like her a lot i'm a fan of her yeah, when I saw her in uh, Everybody Wants Some, which is the Richard Linklater ball, uh, baseball oh, movie, I didn't that even I, remember her being in that. She plays like the the love interest in it. Uh, I saw her for the first time, Zoe Deutsch, and I thought it's uncanny how much she looks like Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. It's right, uncanny. yes, I remember. You and saying that. and sure enough, she is her daughter. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that on this very podcast. I had that the same time I saw Dave Franco in like. It might have been 21 Jump Street. Right. And you I thought, was like, that's this bizarre. Guy is James Franco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, that one's good. The one that is the least good is Kissing Booth. Yeah, that's what people say. That one is awful. Okay, good. So I'm I'm like on par with what people are Yeah, saying. you're registering it exactly how you're supposed to. People like it, but I think, and I don't know anything about Kissing Booth, but I think it's problematic too, right? Um, yeah. Probably. I mean, it's not. It's not. <laughs> in it's, that rom coms are problematic. It's definitely America. not scratching an itch that that people really had. It's mm. just like, here's a movie with a jacked guy getting a jacked, or not a jacked girl, but like an attractive young girl yeah. and attractive people hook up. Yeah, the girl at one point is like covered in paint in the boys' locker room because she can't see, and all the guys are like, "What's going on?" and then the 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 love interest is like, I told you to get out of here. And she's like, don't what? tell me what to do. What? I, I didn't understand it, honestly. I walked in <laughs> on this part. And then... Did Jen like this movie? She, like, loves it. Yeah, of oh, course. okay. Jen, Jen likes very schlocky, like... Oh, I'm not above schlocky stuff. at all. No, I, no, I like schlocky not. movies. I like to set it up, but I like to think I have decent enough taste that there's I, a standard to set it up. Set it up is clearly the number one. I one turned off to all the boys I've loved before, and that's the biggest one. Yeah. That one I could see age-wise. It works for for young and old. Yeah. Old old who really like the young stuff. I turned it off. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, I like it wasn't... stuff like I watch Riverdale. Yeah. It wasn't amazing, man. Like, 
Like it is not. I I kind of tuned in because some parts were okay, right? But Kissing Booth was absolutely awful. Okay, was terrible. Yeah, Bill Simmons has talked a little bit about how because his daughter is kind of yes. in this in this cult. That's, it's kind of the only thing that kept me into watching these at all. I would walk in and be like, "Is this set it up?" And Jen was like, "Yes, this is set." Well, up. he's interested in the cultural significance of these movies suddenly having a platform. Sure, because rom coms have gone a, gone away. Yeah, I, I can't remember like the last time there was a really. In fact, speaking of Ryan Gosling, uh, Crazy Stupid Love was probably the last like theatrical rom-com that people agree is an yeah. excellent film. It's a really good movie. Um, and before that, even, there was like a really long stretch. Yeah. And people are ready for them again. But yeah, they they stopped making rom-coms. They stopped making horror movies. They stopped making a lot of these genre films mm-hmm. uh, to make way for like the blockbuster uh, superhero movies and franchises. Right. And so now there's a place for them. And now people are realizing that they wanted them more than they knew. They always wanted them. Just maybe they wanted to watch them at home. And so here they are at home. Right. Less embarrassing place to go than. I don't want to have like a, I don't want to have a a bond 25 discussion every week (laughs) on the podcast, Uh, but this is pretty interesting. So we found out last week that Danny Boyle left the movie. We did. Which sucks because that was going to give it some, some uh, integrity. Yeah. Uh, the reports are saying now he left the movie because he refused to kill 007. Oh. And the, the broccoli family wants to kill 007. Really? The broccoli family. I almost said the carrot family, and I was like, no, it's broccoli. <laughs> the different family. Yeah. Different family. <laughs> no, it's not the carrots. The yeah. carrots are on. <laughs> They're Lara Croft. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wow. So... The, do you think they want the franchise to end? No, of course not. No, I think it's understood that they need to take it in a new direction, performer-wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I saw somebody say the other day, like if they're going to make Bond Black, they need to first establish that 007 is just a code name, and or right, James like Bond's just l- a code name, l- like I don't, Batman. I don't think that's, yeah, but that's not because Batman is always Bruce Wayne. I mean, I guess not. I guess uh, there have been other people. Well, his whole thing is the Ra's al Ghul. Like you right. can't kill a. Whatever. A figure. A figure. Yeah, no, but I disagree about that with James Bond. It's like, you don't need that much continuity between the separate movies. Right. Just make a movie where he happens to be black, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter. Like, it's... I've kind of done a big turn on a lot of this. Yeah. Um, I I do think it's essential. I think it would be great. But I don't think you need to, like, pander to it. I don't think you need to kill this James Bond to make it happen. Mm -hmm. That's so silly. Right. People have... there, There were, like... There were 20 James Bond movies... Before people cared how they connected to each other. Right. Well, Doctor Who, I think, had it the most right. I guess. No, I disagree. I think that's stupid. I think that's like, that's how they connected all together. That's how they they <laughs> justify having different people play him every time. They have this like weird built-in this device weird rule? Yeah. where he like is a body snatcher. Uh-huh. It's so unnecessary. If they just recast it every time. You don't like James Bond as a body snatcher. I, of course I don't like him as a body snatcher. Why? I think it's ridiculous. Well, okay, let's think about this for a second. James Bond snatching bodies, taking the body of like John Cena, boom, <laughs> there you go. You got a Bond movie right there. If you have if you have uh, just one movie where he just snatches a bunch of bodies, <laughs> I'm open to that. <laughs> or just <laughs> like walks impossible. into a room and be like, I snatched several bodies and I'm about to snatch yours too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like talking to a, a gorgeous redhead. That's Mission Impossible with the masks and everything. Right. Yeah. It's just not necessary to qualify all that. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, just they've been doing it forever. They just change the change like the actor sudden, and then that's need, that. 
It's the same. I thing also as, don't think you need to kill James Bond. I don't think that has to happen at all. That's just that's just forced emotion. You're not gonna make me feel anything. If you know that James Bond's gonna die at the end of a film, like what? Well, is this the is exciting the other thing. Part about now it? we do know. Yeah, it's gonna. I guess we know what's gonna happen because Danny Boyle left. Yeah, because he wouldn't do it. They're gonna get a director who will. <laughs> what is exciting? <laughs> Uh, Spoiler alert He chokes on broccoli What the hell Broccoli family <laughs> It was the broccolis all along You really embellished this uh, yeah, They're the Blofeld <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Of the franchise uh, We should talk about shows Holy shit Yeah Let's get into We're it We're 51 minutes into this podcast Okay I'm gonna Best recap 51 minutes up. I'm gonna recap Kidding Which okay. is the new Showtime Jim Carrey show Okay Give me 30 seconds I'll go on go Okay In 3 2 1 Jeff is a children's entertainer uh, akin to Mr. Rogers, who is struggling with the evolution of his show after the death of his son, who died in a car crash. It also has kind of imploded his family, and he's going through a divorce. His manager insists they should not do a TV sh- an episode of their show about death, that kids are going to be traumatized by that. He thinks it's an important stage of life, and they should all do it to help work through the tragedy that they're experiencing. We learn towards the end of the show that the manager or the producer of the show is, in fact, Jeff's dad, and he's struggling as well. There's all this other family politics stuff where their other son is kind of maturing and kind of becoming a real person. And and Jeff has his head in the clouds and he doesn't see the world as it is. Right. He sees it as this like happy go lucky place. And in the face of real, uh, like anguishing tragedy, he's really having a hard time keeping that perspective while everyone else around him is like, no, nothing means anything. You need to come down to planet earth with us and grieve. Mm -hmm. What did you think? I liked it. I uh, I'm on board with this this tone for Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's like you know, kind of playing a bit of a sad sack, but not so sad that like he's just breaking down. Like, well, I mean, would... it's not like it's it's a Michelle Gondry production too, and like right. uh, the did defin- he he did a Eternal Sunshine, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's definition of Jim Carrey sad. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and so this is it's almost like this is a little bit too linear and straightforward for Jim Carrey, and Michelle Gondry. Yeah, because that was so out there. Right. Uh, but there is something almost fantastical about it. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, I think so. Was Conan the right talk show host to use? So the cold open of the series is it, he's, he's famous. The character is famous. Yeah. And he goes on Conan With in Danny a Mr. Trejo. Rogers kind of way where he's like sweet and the other guest is Danny Trejo. And there's kind of a initial irony about this weird guy being out there on this like edgy late night show but then he sings a song which clearly the whole audience has a soft place for and they sing along too and just conan is the only one who kind of doesn't get it right but even he kind of like sings a line in it i guess so yeah Yeah. and then uh, danny trejo is clearly a fan because he knows ukulele the ukulele Ukulele, yeah and I think I think Danny Trejo was good. I think that worked. Sure. I don't think Conan the was the right was the right talk show host to use. See, I I um, think Jimmy Fallon was. I I was okay with it just because automatically I just kind of thought they were both friends in real life, they and, are. and that's why I it just, I don't know it just I saw past it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what it is. But I I thought like who would have been the better one to use, and I think one of the lighter guys would have been. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. The, um, uh, they, they show a clip of, uh, and I think it's in the TV in the car. Was there a TV in the car? Yes. 
kids driving to school with mom or whatever. And he's on like the PBS. Yeah. There's like a, there's a Jeff is, uh, Mr. Pickles yeah. is like lobbying in front of some kind of board to get more funding for public right. children's entertainment, which is a direct Mr. Rogers reference. Totally. And by the way, if you haven't seen that video listeners, Oh, go watch it. It's so cool. Yeah. It's cause it's like, it, it's, it's this amazing thing where he turns this like cynical old fart into like, a believer it's so cool but also i i remember being not like creeped out by it but uh, just kind of being like mr rogers isn't relatable <laughs> no no i've often thought that too like he's not a guy that you'd be like hey fred no i have a good sit down have a drink i wonder a little bit about that yeah because he's like you know i think that children are the and that just it, it comes off the wrong way it to doesn't me. creep me out but you're right. There is an there is an extra humanity about him mm-hmm. that doesn't seem really down to earth. And maybe maybe he's relatable to children, and maybe that's that's and he just did a really amazing job of of uh, being two people. Yeah. But I think this show, Kidding, is about a guy who doesn't know where the line is. Right. And and the producer, his dad, we find it. It was supposed to be a twist, right? That it's his dad. I think so because I did not catch that. Okay. Now I was kind of like like doing other stuff trying yeah. to like pack up and get ready to go but i think i missed that part i'm pretty I sure that's a twist at the end when he says grace that it's his that it's his dad at dinner. Uh, okay um he says early on it, there's two different people you're two different people you're not this guy and and like jeff has a hard time with that right because like he doesn't like curse words and but he, he says he's like i'm your dad at one point no it's at the end when he's like, Dad, do you want to say grace? Oh, he says, and then, Dad, do you want to say grace? Okay, yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Right. Right. There. Um. It, this is something uh, I, th- I think Jeff says it, which is a weird thing for him to say. Mm-hmm. But it, it's in that discussion where he's arguing about whether or not they should have an episode of their show about death, which, by the way, Mr. Rogers did. Oh, um, okay. He says, when kids don't talk about their dark feelings, they get quiet. It's the quiet ones that make the news. That was huge for me. Like That I, was an effective line. I, I thought that that was maybe going to be the entire premise of the show. Yeah. Was like a Mr. Rogers that tries to help lonely kids. Okay. Like, like That's fine. Basically try but to But what like, does he mean by make the news? He means shoot up the school. Oh, yeah. He means shoot up the school. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's just a very heavy... It doesn't really seem like... It's a daunting thing for the character to say. Yeah. But the whole irony of it, too, is the fact that he's not dealing with his son's death at all. Right. He's just kind of saying, you know... But he does want to. He wants to do the show about death. Yes. And he openly says when they eventually and they inevitably do an episode about death and it works. Yeah. He says into the camera, I had a son named Phil and he died. Right. Uh, and so we like, put him in a box and buried. Yeah. That was wow. That yeah. Was wild. Yeah. Uh, he does want to process it in his own way. Yeah. It's just very confusing to all the other adults that he would want to do it on television. Right. Yeah. It was, it, it was obviously very dark, kind of funny. Right. Not that part, but like kind of funny throughout. Yeah. Um, and you just see by the end of the episode, him becoming completely unhinged, um, and just shaving a line down the center of his head. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I wonder how that's going to pan out. Yeah. One of the most iconic Bob Ross moments was a little, cause he would give like little 
pieces of advice mm-hmm. while painting and sometimes they're they're usually kind of abstract yeah. so that you could kind of like take what you need to from them but like something peaceful and positive and encouraging and one of the more uh famous ones he ever gave was if you know it's the first episode he taped after his wife died then it really hits pretty hard oh, wow. just about how like sometimes you go through dark times and like uh. and uh it's beautiful if you can see the world in a bright way yeah. in spite of all that and so like that is a good example of how what Mr. Pickles wants to do can be cathartic, not just for you who is struggling, right. but to like open up your heart and uh, r- relate to other people who are going through their own struggles too. Sure. That's what he wants to do. What he wants to do is a pure thing. Mm-hmm. But if in real life, you know, it would be pretty hard to understand. Right. What about and- Catherine Keener? Do you like her? Uh, yeah, I do. She, uh, she's from four year old virgin. The Yeah. Yeah. She is. She plays yeah. a sister. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. I yeah. thought she was kind of cool. I think she did a great job. Yeah. I thought that scene was pretty brutal of the daughter seeing her dad get jerked a off hand job. Out yeah. In the driveway. Yeah. That was weird. That was definitely, there's weird. a lot of like weird stuff in this. Yeah. Like when the other son goes to the gravesite for his brother yeah. and like the bullies are smoking weed on the gravestone. Yeah. This is, and this is the thing we've talked about before on the show. Uh, teenage bullies being depicted too cruel and stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying teenagers can't be cruel to each other, but they're more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. They just like, and then he takes a wasp's nest to scare them away. I just thought that was a little over the top. But he was also kind of hanging with them. Was he? I think like he was about to smoke a bowl out of that can. Like, I guess. And then like when all the bullies were running away, he's running with them. And they're like, yeah, he's laughing and they were freaked out. One of the girls like, come on, Charlie. Oh, did I didn't hear her yeah. say that. Yeah, so I think they they kind of hang around with each other. And I didn't think that those bullies were that cruel. No, I thought they were. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was like, this is, can you not do that? This is my brother's gravesite. Right. And they're like, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. found it kind of funny that one of the bullies was like, can't we just get along? <laughs> did he? I didn't, I yeah. missed that too. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's no. kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, produced by Jason Bateman. Yep. That's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a show, and I think about this, is this a show about nihilism or is this show nihilistic? Because mm. there's a lot of talk, especially from the producer dad character about how like, this is, the the car accident was random. Stop, right. like, like it was not a moment where you're like, for whatever reason, the light didn't change or whatever. It's like, you're a character, you're yeah. a block of wood. Does he yeah, say something yeah. like that's, that? Yeah, yeah. That's very nihilistic. Yeah. Is the show nihilistic? Or is it trying to teach you not to be that way? Are are we to learn from Jeff? Or is Jeff to learn from the world? I think if we took anything away from Michelle Gondry um, with Eternal Sunshine, his whole thing is that feelings are so important that you're going to want to feel them yeah. regardless of what feeling. It Even is. the bad ones make you, life worth living. You you need those real moments. Yeah. Did he make uh being John Malkovich? Uh, I think he might have. Man, I never I never watched that that's movie. That's a weird fucking dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um I uh yeah, I, and I I think that's the biggest cuz the biggest takeaway at the end of Eternal Sunshine is you know, we raced our memories mm-hmm. to try to get rid of the pain but yet we we found each other what's anyway. gonna happen and we it's kind of like a we, rival we find each other i didn't see a rival oh you didn't no okay. should see a rival. but we find each other no matter what that's right that's what happens in a we find sometimes. each other no matter what and 
we know that we're going to cause each other pain, but yes. we still want those feelings. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you give it your S? Yeah. I think I do too. I do. Yeah. It hasn't even technically premiered yet. Uh, Showtime put out the first episode. It doesn't start until September 16th. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people react to this. It's definitely interesting. It could go many different ways. We could see him go to full, like, absolute like insanity insanity he's already shaved part of his head freak out at someone like flip people off like there's going to be a whole like dark episode or three well there's an extra meta-ness to this character in that it's played by jim carrey who's kind of been a question mark lately yeah and i mean always but like there's also questionable happiness in the figure of jim carrey yeah people are curious about that yeah yeah we we're obviously curious about him we've talked about him several times on the show i love jim carrey i want jim carrey to be okay yeah i want jim carrey to at least like get a lot of success or maybe like 10 years from now just be talking and be like man i went through some weird phases like trust me like i don't know i don't know if i want jim carrey to to sober up from where he is now if he is as happy as he says he is that's great it's just suspicious it's just weird the way he says it he's doing amazing art like he's an amazing visual artist Yeah, I just hate how deep he gets into it. Yeah, I know. You know, well, it's just unsettling for you because yeah. you don't understand it. That's, this is like he's really just kind of a different version of Jeff Pickles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's a good character for him. Mm-hmm. It's probably in some way loosely based on him slash Mister Rogers. Yeah, because he's clearly buddies with Gondry. Hybrid character. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the other one. I okay. give it my ass for sure. Uh, I, it, it's it might not be for everybody, but it's mm-hmm. good. Okay, you're going to recap the first episode of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan on Amazon. Yes. Starting in three. Oh, God. Two, one, go. Okay, Jack Ryan is a CIA analyst. Um, at the beginning of the show, he meets uh, the guy who played Bunk in The Wire, and he's his new boss, and he's basically telling him, listen, there's a new Osama bin Laden based on what I'm hearing out of uh, Yemen and this other place. Um, they end up, he goes to a party the sea coast guard comes and picks him up and they're like, you got to come with us. They go to Yemen. They have a huge face off. They, they take, uh, I'm going to keep going. They basically take someone hostage and they, and the terrorists end up blowing through the doors. Uh, and he learns that the guy he was talking to is actually like the head honcho, right? Not the other one that they'd been interrogating for, 24 hours or and by the way he's just an analyst he's just a paper pusher he did not want to go to yemen but bunk was like you gotta come yeah and then he almost got murdered if he didn't happen to also be pretty good with his arms yeah and with his brain right definitely would have been murdered in cold blood he was a he was all about the strategy in that one just taking the grenade and keeping himself alive that was hardcore i love how the terrorist says I thought you were an analyst. He's like, I thought you were a bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's What's the cool actor one. who plays the 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 guy from The Wire? I don't actually know his name. I would have said it. I I didn't. He plays a guy named uh, Jim in this show, which is confusing. You knew right away yeah. that that as soon as he got cut off by that guy, and he's like, "Watch out, you piece of shit." Yeah, that. Uh, He's too big of an actor to just have that part. No, I knew he was going to be in the show, yeah. but it was just a little bit too serendipitous when he turns out he's also his boss. And then he shows up at work and uh, John Krasinski's like, Jack Ryan's like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's just a little, it was so cliche. It seems like it's, yeah, very cliche. It's been used in a lot of things. And also, Guy from The Wire is like 
so mean to him for no reason. He's yeah. like has this weird like grudge against Jack Ryan, and Jack Ryan's done nothing wrong to no. him. <laughs> so this like really tense, irritate. Like is he just mad about the bike thing? Yeah, I no, I don't think so. I think he's just he he doesn't quite fit in with the analyst guys. Like he's an action guy. You know, they say, yeah, I heard he drown his uh, or he he put his bullets in pig's blood so no one would go to the divine place when he shot them in the middle east yeah but he clearly fucked something up because he's back at like the office and that's considered like kind of a bummer that he's been almost demoted to be back working at the same place as jack ryan right yeah i was disappointed by the amount of action in this episode yeah like i want to see i want to see john krasinski in foot chases and martial arts right that's what jack ryan's all about I mean, I don't know. I thought I thought he was going to be an action hero in this. Yeah. And yeah, the thing with the grenade was cool. Well, there but, was uh, there was quite a bit of, a bit of action. I was kind of like, this is almost zero dark thirty esque for those five or ten minutes. It was pretty yeah, good at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to intro the characters a little bit. It was funny when he, he goes to that garden party. He gets a call from his ex boss, and his boss is like, "I want to ask you something." He's like, "Can you tell me over the phone?" He's like, "No, just come to my birthday." Yeah. Can you t- can we talk a little bit about that? Definitely, because I feel like I missed something there. He goes gives a gives a present to his ex boss. His boss, and by the way, basically what tells sixty him to- year old man needs that many presents? Yeah, he has a mansion. His ex boss basically tells him to fuck off. Yeah, like, like why he, did he do that? His ex boss was like, "Listen, I know you work at the CIA now, or what is it? Something like yeah, that. the CIA. Yeah, listen, can you get me some some info on this or that?" and Jack Ryan's like, no. He's like, even if I even if I w- was willing to, I definitely I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. And then he tells him to fuck off. He's, he's be- like, he's like, oh, keep up the. He's like the Boy Scout, uh, the self righteous Boy Scout. It's ludicrous. You well. asked you asked a government agent to give you like top secret information at your birthday party, and he told you, I don't think I can do that. And you're like gonna have a shit fit over it. Yeah. And then okay, so then he goes to the bar, and the daughter of that guy who is ostensibly supposed to be the love interest maybe throughout the show. Yeah, she is. She's like Jack Ryan's love interest. Okay. Yeah. She's like, I liked the part where he called you a piece of shit. And he's like, oh, you heard that? Oh my gosh, you're his daughter. I remember the <laughs> like picture being behind the desk. Ugh. And she's like, yeah. And then the Coast Guard comes to pick him up and whisp him away. And they're like, Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan. Like a friggin' helicopter or like a Blackhawk just lands on the yard which by the way that's a pretty great way to win after this guy just chewed you out totally like you look pretty cool i'm a big deal yeah i thought that too but he well i hated the fact that he turns to the girl and goes like maybe i could and they're like jack we need you now and then he's like you need to give us your car keys someone has to drive your car home (laughs) that was very like (laughs) like hey audience don't worry his car is gonna be just fine i would never have wondered about his car (laughs) but you know what the problem was you know what the problem was what uh john krasinski wrote this and directed it i was gonna ask did john krasinski write and direct this i didn't make that joke because i actually thought that it he was might, very possible that he could have done that. <laughs> no, Tom Clancy wrote it. I mean, he didn't write the script, but it, and this is not based on any Tom Clancy novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but John Krasinski describes the show as pulled from the headlines of Tom Clancy. Okay. So they just basically take the essence of the character, yeah, sure, and they call the show Jack Ryan, which is a weak ass title when you've already got titles out there called like the the Hunt for Red October, right? Uh, we were talking about the, Cell. We talked about the video games. Remember Ghost Recon? Ghost Recon, yes. Yeah. Ghost Recon. I was trying to think of another one 
Um, because I felt like they said a word at one point, and I said, is that a Tom Clancy game? Let's look it up. Let's look up some names of Tom Clancy books. Because I, I, I've, I've been down this road before, uh-huh. and he, uh, he knew how to name stuff. Yeah. He's good at naming it. So that we're calling it Jack Ryan's a terrible shame. Rainbow Six, The Hunt for Red October, Without Remorse. Red Storm Rising is a great title. Right. Especially in this time where we, we, where you especially talk about how there's titles of stuff that you hate so much. I'm clearly like, more of a stickler for titles than most people are. Sure. But it's the sum of all fears. That's another sum big, of all fears. That's a yes. Big, that's and that was, a, that was a good title. movie. Yeah. yeah. Martin Freeman. So, so that's, uh, I think it's, I think it's a shame that it's called Jack Ryan. Yeah. I think it's too bad. He's actually a talented person in coming up with names of stuff. You know what it was that I didn't expect? What? Not just, uh, you're right. There was some action towards the end. It was insanely gruesome. Oh my God. I actually, I had a moment where I don't know if it was low blood sugar, but I felt like I was getting a little lightheaded when they went through that cadaver or the the corpse. And there was like a bottle in him. And there was, yeah, like a a thing that he had to get out of him, but his guts were so, I don't know why I was Was the guy wearing another guy's face? He was. As a mask? I didn't know if it was another guy's face or a prosthetic, but it seemed like an important mission, so I and thought then it might be a prosthetic. And when they do the flashback to like the little boys when they were kids, yeah. and, the, and the kids' legs were burned, yeah. that was disgusting. That didn't affect me at all compared to the digging into the guts. That was I mean, just, I looked away a lot, was, as you might expect, but like it was uh, more gruesome than it needs to be. This is an action show. Yeah. like it's Starring Jim Halpert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen uh, Jim Ryan, the Funnier Die spoof video that's been going around? No. Somebody cut together a bunch of Jim and Dwight stuff with the Jack Ryan trailer. That's really it's good. It's phenomenal. That's really good. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. So it was like, it was kind of badass. He wasn't as badass as I wanted him to be. Uh, really gruesome. I, I, I think they laid on the, this could be the next 9-11 thing a little too thick. I think he sure. said that twice and he made the Osama bin Laden comparison. Mm-hmm. And he got really jacked for it. Yeah, well, he was he was jacked also in uh, another movie he made, though. He did another action movie a while back. Really? Yeah. Huh. I so forget they just what. kept the muscle on. Yeah. That blunt muscle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he looks good. There's no question. Totally. He's a heartthrob. People like... Wearing, like, real tiny sweaters. Yeah, yeah. In the office. Yeah. Yeah. Rowing. And that's the other thing. Is like, I guess he's... He's ex-vet, ex-military, yeah. and he has some hella PTSD because mm-hmm. he's this is scared the funny, of ceiling fans. This is the funny thing. Is he? Yeah, he's lying in bed and he was looking at the ceiling fan and you could hear the helicopter sound. Oh, like. the the thing that I found funny was um, they they obviously, like with stories like this, they have so much of a backstory. So he's rowing in Washington and wearing a Boston <clears throat> college. Like they, they have yeah. like his entire life is is completely written out to be fair the character had like i don't know how many 500 page books written yeah about. exactly so if you read them all on your many flights back and forth yeah uh you'd know a thing or two about and they wouldn't want to get anything wrong do you think there's any like ryan heads out there kind of like star wars fans that are just like oh my gosh like they how they can name every single planet they're like oh yeah, yeah. well he went to boston college for three years before Probably, going man. into there's his... like all of these like pulp paperback like drugstore novelists yeah james patterson had alex cross yeah and like frankly uh, dan brown has robert langdon he's yeah. part of that category now totally and like i don't know if like sue grafton has a person she uses a lot mm-hmm. mave binchy but uh <laughs> mave binchy you don't even ever seen a mave binchy book on on your on your aunt's shelf no well maybe i probably have I don't clive cussler i'm sure all these guys like Lee Child. These people use this a lot of the same protagonists over and over again because right. it's like a framework. 
They yeah. can just tell a new a new serial drama through that. Through character. yeah, and yeah. so yeah, if you if you travel back and forth a lot, or if you just like some light reading, I'm not. I don't want to sound like I'm above it because I'm not. No. Um, and I'm I've been reading some Dan Brown, but uh, if you if you consume a lot of that stuff, yeah, you probably would find yourself an expert. Right. Cool. I don't give it my S though. You don't? No. Uh, I thought it was kind of dumb. I thought it took itself too seriously and it was cliche ridden. Did he was kind of like limping with a kidney stab wound toward bunk at the end of it. Like he was really pissed. Yeah. And that was, yeah. I don't it's know. Oh, and just like that dynamic is cliche. Like the old guy who's been through it all right. has no patience for this young hotshot. Right. The young hotshot's pretty good at it and he and has fresh also, ideas. And he's also got character that he developed through whatever war like I, that was one thing i didn't really understand it was he's he was a cia analyst but he was also like bunk was looking through pictures on the internet and he was like the the one survivor of right. this helicopter crash and he was in a wheelchair and had to be rehabilitated to and be like, fair something has to validate why he's a good action star yeah and not just the fact that he rose crew at 5 a.m right yeah rose crew <laughs> Uh, you heard that in the social network, and you never let it go. Well, where else am I going to hear about it? Uh, yes. <laughs> we are just by Lake Bonoka. Yeah, that's right. I can see them rowing crew. We can from row my, crew from, now. From my bed. I'm going to row crew tomorrow. I think you should go row crew. You seem like the type to do that. I would actually, I was thinking that while I was watching. Like, man, I should get a rowboat. <laughs> I should get a rowboat. <laughs> just like a, a rowing one person boat you get one of those rowing machines like in house of cards i do like those too i thought about that the other day as i was pulling up to the gym man if i had one of those like water swishing rowing machines i think that's like a serious cardio thing like that'll get you skinny oh yeah well i mean yeah i would just want the like cardio like my heartbeat to be healthy yeah (laughs) take taking care of the old ticker i want the old ticker to be going for years all right got to watch out for that stuff. You got to watch out for that. Uh, do you have a Will Smith thing? I know that uh, Will Smith uh, wrote the movie Hitch. Yes. And MIB's one and three, mm-hmm. but not two. Tommy Lee Jones wrote two. <laughs> and directed it. <laughs> and directed it naturally. And you know what? That was the one that Will Smith wouldn't take less money than Tommy Jones. Tommy Jones wrote and directed it. And you know what he got paid for it? 70 grand 70 they both got paid scale for mib3 too he, he got paid he got paid 70 grand you know what will smith got paid for it 10 million 10 million bucks 10 million bucks. and he didn't even write or direct the thing like you, tommy lee jones did oh no. what a scumbag you never even share some of that with tom <laughs> no with tlj <laughs> with, with tomas <laughs> he couldn't be so lucky <laughs> never trust will smith never ever ever, ever.